gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Frank and Culture proudly presents to you its greatest MMA podcast in the world. You got Clifford, Red Dog Miller. You got Julie Chewbacca. And you got Anthony Lou Lujan. This is Get the KO. Yo, what's going on, guys? As you heard right there, Anthony, uh, we're going to change his name. Uh, it's no longer Anthony Lou Lujan. This is AJ Lujan. I just, I don't know. I feel like that just is appropriate because <laughs> we, we've been, we were joking about that, that on the phone. The what? <laughs> it's the face that runs this place. Julie's uh, <laughs> uh, over here like, oh my god. <laughs> so, right. I don't think my fucking eyes can roll back into my head any fucking further. <laughs> <laughs> Julie the Undertaker. No. <laughs> Yo, dude, I, I, you know what? I, I wish, motherfucker. I've been trying to do that shit since fucking the late 80s, early 90s, and that shit ain't working, so. All right, I just guys. look like I got fucking issues, like I'm having a seizure or something. So here we are. <laughs> we are back. This is that show. Get the KO. You know it's the greatest podcast here on Franken Culture. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of biased, and I think so, too. So, we're going to get into this. Oh, yeah. We got you know. um, some some big, big topics to talk about today. Uh, UFC 149, we did uh, from last week. Uh, last night, we had the Bellator 220 go off, as well as UFC Fight Night 150. A lot of fights happened. So, we're really just going to get into the main card of this, and we're going to talk about each of those fights. Um, so, starting from the bottom up, let's get right in to UFC Fight Night 149. Uh, we're going to start right. off with Christoph Jacode. Uh, versus Alan uh, Amadovsky. Uh, so this fight here, uh, what we do know, and again, as we've always said, uh, all of our stats that we pull up come from UFC.com. So thank you guys for that. We just want to give that big shout out. So right off the bat, uh, Jacode, uh, his uh, total strikes, 111 for 149 for a 74.5% accuracy rate. Significant strikes was uh, 43 of 69 for 62%, and he was 4 for 4 on his takedowns. It was yeah. an amazing, amazing feat. Like, it was just like, I felt like he could have just pointed at a leg and just been like, that leg is going to be mine. And uh, Alan had nothing to do with like, here, just take my leg. I'm, I'm done. Right, right, right. <laughs> on the other side of things, though, Alan, um, he was 6 for 17 for 35%, uh, 6 for 17 for 35.3%. And then zero takedowns and zero submissions. So this fight did go all three rounds. Um, it was a decision, as I had just mentioned. Uh, and the scores there was 30, 30, 30, 25, 30, 26, 30, 26. So did you guys happen to get to check out this fight? Yes. I, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I agree with the scoring, too, of the judges. Like, Jitko was kind of taking that. That, that, was, his, that was his fight, yeah, if that makes sense. Did. Sometimes you know, and not trying to take anything. Sometimes there's some guys that just get into the octagon. They're like, "By the way, you're gonna watch me fight. Don't, don't worry about my opponent. You're just gonna watch me do some shit for the next like fucking three rounds, and then you're gonna be happy." And that's kind of what it felt like. Yeah, if that makes did. sense. So, Anthony, what you I enjoyed about it though. Uh, yeah, you have a guy that goes four for four for takedowns. What did what did we say? We were on that uh, 
the right time right now to see how long like he was on top in in the clinch or not in the clinch in the guard but he 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 landed more than the guy threw so it was just a complete it was when we say that if we have a guy that throws more or lands more than a guy throws he fight Yep, key wins. That's where it was. So let's move up. So we had uh, Modafineri, uh, Roxanne Modafineri versus uh, Antonio Shoshenko. And yes, if you're wondering, this is little Shoshenko, uh, Valentina's little right. sister. This was kind of a big fight because I really, I am a huge fan of Antonia because she's, I think, as an up-and-comer, especially with her sister being as good as she is, like she's definitely I'm a big following fan. the footsteps. Right, I'm a big fan of Shevchenko's sisters. However, Roxanne, that bitch, she's she a from monster. one girl to another. I love her. The amount of times that she's shown up to fights, like in cosplay before she got to the UFC. Oh my god, win, win. So I, I also she's decent in the fucking octagon too. So. Yeah, I like I like the Shevchenko sisters, but when I saw that she's going against Roxanne, I was like, "How could you do this to me, UFC? You're making me choose sides, you dicks." Well, it's just funny because, like, as as we know, like here at Franken Culture, um, we were watching like because it happens in the WWE as well, and we've talked about it on Frankensteiner, but and, and here we have not really talked about that about like the nerds in. In the MMA world, right? So we've had people yeah. dress up as Sagat, as Dalsim. We've had people yep. just different cosplays, different attitudes. It's really cool. I'm not going to lie. It's really cool to see, like, different fighters bring in their own little style of what they want to do. Like, we had someone dress up as the Hulk, like, weighing at yep. weighing, uh, for the UFC. I just think it's so cool that, that that's, that's a thing that people are like, you know what? I know I'm a nerd, and I'm going to showcase that nerdum right now right well that and also she's also knows like what the happy warrior or some shit like that too right and i love that she's just like i i i enjoy that there are more and more fighters that embrace who they are in and out of the octagon because i think some of these sons of bitches i ain't gonna name names because there's too many of them that's the reason um that there's there's fronts so i feel like that also takes away from their game as well Right. Because if you're too worried about putting a fucking front on in and out, like, you know what I mean? You're always constantly thinking about something else instead of improving your game. So I do like a lot of the people that are just like, let me fucking be myself. Let me do what the fuck I want. You know? Plus, she's not that young. She's like, what, 36 or some shit like that? Right. So, like, she's, I mean, she's not, she's not coming in here as a 20 something year old, you know, because she started, she was on the, what, the contender series and shit like that. So, like, she's not coming, you know, coming in as a spring chicken, too. So, I, th- I-, I like Roxanne. I like so, let's break down these stats, though, really quick, right? So, Roxanne yep, yep. was 105 for 162 in her total strikes. Significant strikes, she was 33 of 79. And then she was 5 for 6 on her takedowns with 83%. Yeah. On the backside with Anotinia. And, by the way, she it's not like Shoshenko didn't have a good fight. It's just that Roxanne was a better grappler in this in this. Ter- in this matchup yeah so 87 of 144 uh 64 for 116 and then zero for zero on her takedowns um anthony what was your what was your opinion of this fight because obviously we talked about the wrestling aspect of it like how did you feel like watching this fight uh antonia girl 
you got to work on your on on your defense because you got taken down. It and it wasn't like it wasn't like she struggled taking her down too. It was it was when she wanted to take her down, she got taken down. If if this fight stands, if this fight stays on its feet, eh, on their feet, I think I think Antonio could win that fight. But since she got taken down by Rockton so much, and it was with ease, it it wasn't a very hard decision for the judges. No, and right. I think what what made this fight interesting too, and it's interesting you bring that point because we've always talked about like the domination in in a takedown game, right? But this fight went decision, and it was a split decision at that, with the scorecard being twenty nine twenty eight, twenty eight twenty nine, twenty nine twenty eight. So it's not like and Roxanne did a lot to win the fight, and obviously the first and third rounds were her wins, right? But Shashenko, she hung in there. I mean, she had a O. She's seven and one now, but it's not like it's not like Roxanne didn't have her work cut out for her because the young the young fighter was was in it to win it, and her striking game was on point. But you're right, her defensive takedowns have got to improve. You cannot give up five takedowns and expect to win a fight. She's definitely gritty. She's definitely tough, just like her sister. So I'm not gonna we're not gonna take anything away from her. But girl, you need to work on your takedown defense. Right, right, right. Well, I agree with the takedown defense. But you were right about the standing game thing. If it was, if it stays stand up, as much as Roxanne threw more, um, and uh, Shevchenko was a little bit more laser sighted on her strikes. Right. So, so especially, especially on your significant strikes. Like you, I mean, you can just throw for the fences, but if you throw for the fences and keep clanging at that jaw, sometimes you're going to hit that glass, and people are going to go night night, motherfucker. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's a big shout out. It's a big shout out because let's be real, man. Like the Shershenko sisters, man. Like they're striking. Like like we've said, is laser focused. Like yeah. they're tacticians at it. They know what they're going to do. They throw a lot. They know where they're going to land. I just I cannot wait to see what happens like for the future, especially for Antonia, because she's With her. she's smooth in her in her striking game, and well, having I mean, an older sister who's a an an, an elite striker, it's obviously going to rub off on right. her. And she's going to get better. Well, I mean, we're also we're also just really seeing the beginning of Valentina. Right. I mean, when you really think about it, because she just got she just got in the belt situation. Now we're going to see her defending, so we get to see what kind of champion and everything like that too. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. I will say, though, I have this vision that, I don't know if y'all seen it, uh, that video, like, it's been online or whatever, that little girl, she trains to be, like, a fighter. She's, like, from Russia or Ukraine or something like that. Yeah, that boxer where she's, like, punching the tree and shit. I I fucking imagine that that's what the Shevchenko family farm looks like or some shit. Like, they just got the little kids and they got trees and there's, like, come on, all right. I feel like that's what it is because... When I watched that, when I watched that little girl like kicking the shit out of, and just like tearing the shit out of the tree, like it was her job, I was like, I feel like this is a uh, glimpse into the childhood of some people that I like. <laughs> no, yeah, Wait. she um, she was lit in that. Yeah, I don't know. Here's the thing. Here's the thing with Valentina. She's a great striker, but she's an even better counter striker. She loves her counter strikes, oh. and that's what makes her so dangerous. Yeah, I agree with that one. Yeah, I agree with that. That's she's she's so fucking nasty at her 
her game. So we got to move up, though, because we can talk all day about the Shrinko sisters and how much we love them. Bingo! <laughs> <laughs> so, Sergi, uh, Sergi Pavlovich defeats uh, Marcel Gohm, uh KO first round with a minute six into the, into the matchup. Um, big significant things that are going down in here, right? 17 of 26 for 65%, 17 of 26 for significant strikes. Obviously, no takedowns. Uh, Marcelo right. was 5 for 15 uh, in strikes and uh, significant strikes. Big thing here, man, was that uh, Sergi, like, he he knew what he was going to do, obviously, right off the bat with it being a first right. round knockout. But he was landing heavy fucking bombs. And, man, Marcelo, he... I mean, he had nowhere to go. He just had to lay down. I, right. I, I, I kind of laughed at it because it's, I feel like the way it was going at some point, I'm like, did you like call his girlfriend ugly or some shit? Like, <laughs> the way he's throwing at you, this seems a little personal. Like, facts. Super facts. <laughs> right. I'm like, what did you do? Like, it was, it got rough, especially the fact that it was done in a minute. So that's the other thing. So I was like, oh, well, shit. What was your thoughts, Anthony? I did not watch this fight. Um, well, it was quick, too. So you might have just missed it if you went to the bathroom. Yeah. Was and, and it was, and, and it was that. I, I, I definitely. Bathroom break it. It's to have it's a having to get the kids thing. You got to go run and take care of one kid. And next thing you know, I'm like, what just happened? Did you just get knocked out? God darn it. It's the, <laughs> it's the fucking worst about it with uh, with fights. Like, I mean, like when we, when we watch wrestling, shit, we're pretty decent about like, uh, I can see how this is booked. This is going to be a quick match. But you don't know in the fight game because that shit's not booked out. You know, it's it's not planned out that way. So, like, you'd be like, I'm good to go to the bathroom. And then all of a sudden, like, you get two steps into the bathroom and then you hear everybody from the living room like, oh, my fucking God. <sighs> and you're like, I fucking missed it. I missed probably the best knockout of the entire year because my bladder said, nope, let's not wait. Thanks. That's the one thing I hate about the fight game. You can't. You, you, it's unpredictable as shit. You gotta like wait till commercial breaks because if you don't, you gonna fucking miss some shit. So that totally. Uh, I'm, I was gonna say, like, say that totally reminds me of um, God damn it, what was the fight I watched? I watched um, it was the UFC event we were watching, and I was in Hawaii. This would have been God back in two thousand nine, um, but Todd Duffy was making his debut, right? And we were all drinking beer, and obviously, like, at that point, I'm like, oh, shit, I gotta go take a piss really quick. So we were watching a Mark Munoz fight, right? And uh, Mark had just won a split decision. I was like, all right, I'm gonna take a piss real quick, and I'll be right back, right? So right when the the walkouts go on, the line's kind of long because everybody else was doing the same thing. So once I go and take a piss, I leave. Everybody's like, dude, you just missed a fucking knockout. Like, what are you talking about? Because I just saw the interview. It was a knockout that Todd Duffy laid out Tim Haig in six seconds. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, this is the greatest <laughs> knockout ever. It was a seven-second fight. <laughs> right. I was like, I, I, I remember like that feeling of like yeah. missing out. So it's one of those, you get up, you go to do something, you're like, what, 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 what? And then you just <laughs> pray that they fucking play it over again. And you're like... Especially if it's a quick snap, those yep. are the ones that get me the most. Is like that. There's been nothing. It's been a four. It's been a five round fight, and for four and a half round, there's been jack shit. 
So you're like, ah, oh, you know what? Fuck this. I'm fr- This is going to be a tiresome ass fucking. They're just going to let it go to the judges. I can go to the bathroom. And then the moment you feel the false security of being able to go get up because they're going to send it to the judges is when someone decides, hey, I'm going to elbow this son of a bitch in his face. Right in his stupid fucking face. And then you have to deal with the fact that you didn't get to watch it. And poor Anthony missed it out on it. That's what happened. (laughs) Right. So let's. I'm sitting there. I'm I'm sitting. I'm literally sitting there. And and if everybody knows that I have a two year old. And he's a terrible two right now. And if you didn't know anything about this this two year old, this guy is worse than a terrible two. And he was just sitting there taking a drink of his milk. And he leans it back. And it goes all over. And I'm like, oh my. <laughs> I'm like, oh, they're, they're walking out, and I'm like, okay, cool. And I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go clean this up real quick. And I come back, and I'm like, oh, what the heck just happened? <laughs> yep. We, my, 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 UFC parrot. That's thanks, how that thanks, works. Thanks, thanks to that, he no longer is allowed to have milk during MMA. You have to give him like what he can and can't have on fight nights. <laughs> you can have these drinks, be, and they need to be in these cups, and you can have these snacks. Why, I'm Dad? Not, because I'm not, not dealing with your ass today. We not, have fight not, even that. You just, not even that. You're thirsty? Go suck on mom's boob. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That's a good way. She's got milk. We'll but that also her. just seems like, you know, a great policy in general for you to keep for yourself. I know. Anthony spills everything, no. too. Don't let him fool you. <laughs> We're going to move up. <laughs> so... We got uh, Islam uh, Makovic versus Armin Tusev Kanyan. I know I slaughtered a name. I don't. I'm sorry. So the decision for this was unanimous: 30, 30, 27, 30, 29, 28. Um, big, big stats for this fight, right? And this was a good co-main event. I definitely liked this. Um, it did go all three rounds, like I just said. Right. Uh, 47 to 53 for 88 percent. 14 of 20 uh, significant strikes. Four for nine in a takedown game uh, for Islam. Uh, Armin was 60 for 90, 13 for 43, and then 1 of 12, which is, like, god-awful. Let's just be real. Right. Uh, so Armin definitely has a lot to do with, like, not only just, like, learning when to do his takedowns, but obviously, like, he that's I guess that's, like, the biggest point. Is he's got to learn when he shoots his takedowns because you can't just throw a takedown and then push a guy into a cage and hold him there and expect to get the takedown because that right. guy is using the cage as his support system and there's you're not getting somebody down. So it was definitely one of those issues but big ups to islam uh he was scoring his takedowns landed heavy bombs i definitely thought this fight was you know it definitely went the way it, it was supposed to go i actually had right. all three rounds uh for islam um and you know it was what it was yeah no totally agree it, it was it was one of those fights where you're fighting t- being tired and then this fight comes on and you're like sleep and you wake up halfway through the next next fight and you're like what's happened and wrestling they, they were getting booed I, I believe that this is the fight that they were getting booed because it was so boring yep it was a super slow fight it was like watching like not that not that we talk about wrestling so much on here like wwe wrestling but it was like watching two heels wrestle like just headlock city and it was like god oh god. my god yes that is <laughs> such a good analogy like, oh that's on the point if you guys don't watch wrestling you don't get that oh i'm so sad because you don't understand how point perfect that is all right so we're gonna move up we're uh you know great fight from islam uh but the main event right let's get right into this uh alistair overeem 
versus uh, Alesky Olenek. I can already hear your deep breath, uh, Julie. I can hear that. Yeah, so sorry. Get... I forgot. I, does this make sense? I completely forgot about this as the main event until like we started reading. I'm like, that's right. This fight happened. You know, so <laughs> Alistair Overeem, 31 of 35, 29 of 23, significant strikes, 0 for 1 in his takedowns. Uh, Olenek was seven, 78 of 101. 38 of 58 in the significant strikes with no takedown attempts. Kicker here, uh, one knockdown, and that's all it took from Mr. Alistair right. Overeem. Like, I don't I know what I don't know what it is about Alistair, right? Like, I'm not a huge fan of his. And the reason why is because obviously the PED thing was huge, right? Yeah, Overeem. Yeah. And then like that kind of tainted, that kind of tainted you know, some 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 taste buds. But the one thing about him that I can't deny is that he definitely knows – he's very precise with his strikes. And so he didn't have to throw a lot of targets out, but he right. knew that his knees are so deadly. And that's he's exactly really, what we saw happen. He's really good about once – I've noticed this, like, the first, like, minute, if he's going into a, a round one, the first minute, minute and a half, he'll figure out, like, just the right amount that he needs to put on you. And then he really – and then he, he puts – the amount of pressure behind those that he needs to like he starts figuring out what's the good what's a good amount of like okay let me get you with this let me get you with this amount of strikes let me get you with this you know what i mean like he starts figuring out the timing of everything and then he starts figuring out the pressure and once that happens then he starts getting better and that's the thing that i think alistair uses to his uh benefit quite a lot yeah he does he's very good at that what do you think with the yeah. fight anthony oh if people for people that don't know this, that that Alistair and uh, the uh, Olenek, they were teammates. They're friends, so it just it 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 was hard to watch because you could see that Alistair really didn't want to hurt him. Mm-hmm. I'm down, and he was and he was uh, raining down the hammer uh, fist. Like Alistair did, was not into like hurting him, and. Kept on looking at the referee, like, are you going to stop this? Are you going to stop this? I'm not going to hit him again. And eventually, finally, the referee's like, okay, yep. Yeah. No, it's like, you know, it's funny, man, because I remember hearing that all the time. Like, John Jones, back in the day, remember? He didn't want to fight certain fighters because he was friends with them. And finally, Dana came in and was like, look, dude, you're going to have to fight people. Not everybody on this fucking roster is your friend. So right. either you can make money and win titles, or you can make friends, but you can't do both. And it's funny because I think about that in different sports have said that same thing, right? Like even like well, sports entertainment. Let me put it that way because the WWE. I remember that's like Booker T's like big motto: you can either win championships or you can win friends, but you can't do both. And um, I just think about that too. Like Alistair's like he's my friend, and I think that's probably like the only person I've ever hear- heard to being referred to as his friend. But I remember John Jones like he didn't want to fight Rashad Evans because that was his friend. He didn't want to fight. Uh, this guy, because that was his friend, or that guy, because it was his friend. I'm like, dude, stop being friends with everybody, okay? It's okay to be pissed off and knock somebody out because you just don't like the guy. And uh, I just, I think that's my problem, is that we don't, we don't have any in it for guys who don't know. In the, in the, in WWE, there's a term called heels, which is the bad guy, and we don't have enough bad guys in UFC or in MMA to really draw that heat out like i remember josh koscheck right. was that guy and we don't have colby covington right now 
Colby Covington is, yes, he's a guy, like, you love to hate him. You know, Conor McGregor is another one of those guys, but now that Conor's been beaten twice, I don't really, I don't really care about what he has to say. But, like, Nick and Nate Diaz, those two guys were perfect. God, like, you just love to hate those guys. Yes. I'll forever love Shale. He he has taken the route of I want to be a pro wrestling like bad guy in MMA and I love it. Well, it's like hook up promos and all of that. Those guys understand like there has to be a bad guy. Whether you want to be that guy or not, it's right. kind of up to you, but there has to be a bad guy. And when you when you're in a perfect fight, right? You could have you know, Max Holloway versus uh, Ortega, and you can like both guys. It's cool. And neither one of those guys are going to be the bad guy. But if you had, like, Connor versus Max, everybody's probably pulling for Max because they want to see Connor get his face fucked up because they're like, that's the bad guy. And I I just wish that somebody, like, even if after the fight, you can still have tons of respect for people. You don't have to talk shit. But when right. the fight up leads up, once the fight gets announced, let's be like, oh, we're going to get John Jones versus DC. And as soon as John Jones makes that first remark about DC, everybody hates John Jones because they know he's a bad guy. And after the fight, usually John Jones is like, hey, you know, he's very respectable. I really like him a lot. Blah, 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 blah. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Fake, 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 fake. It's just John, like, I just want a bad guy. I just want a bad guy that I could really hate. Other than Colby Covington, I just we need more of them. That's what we need. I agree. Mm-hmm. Sorry for my rant about bad guys. So enough with UFC 149. We're gonna jump over to Bellator 220. This happened last night, so we were recording this on April 28th. So on April 27th, we had a lot of great fights come out, um, and we're gonna start off. Uh, we're really gonna kind of run down these fights because it was important to to talk about them. So, uh, Gaston uh, Balanos versus uh, Nathan Stoke via KO. Man, that was a big win. Um, Gaston, Gaston did beat Stolen by KO. Punches. Uh, 220 in the first round. Uh, these were nasty bombs. I don't know if you guys got to see that fight. Um, I know for me, watching like the technicality that uh, Balanos had, was uh, he was he was on another level, and Nathan couldn't keep up. Absolutely not. You're a cred. Uh, I had to stay up super late last night to watch this, uh, and those were big ass bombs thrown by uh, Bolanos. Yeah, um, moving right up. Uh, this was another big fight. I really enjoyed this fight, especially because of who it was. So Phil Davis versus Liam McGreary. Uh, this was a submission by strikes, four minutes and uh, eleven seconds into the third round. Phil Davis, Mr. Wonderful, is still one of my favorite fighters. I did like him mm-hmm. when he was in the UFC, coming out of Penn State. I remember when he was, like, burst starting, and people were like, who's this guy? What's all? What's his message? Who is, what's he about? And he just went out, and he made a new – I remember he made a new submission move, and people were like, I've never seen that before. And it was right. like – And people – I think they kept calling it the Wonderful Lock because – he was just catching guys, and it looked like a reverse Kimura, essentially. And he was just, like, tapping guys out with it. Um, so it was kind of cool to see that he won uh, this, the Bellator Championship for a little bit, the light heavyweight championship. Unfortunately, he did lose that. Right. Um, but he's still yeah. a boss. I really do like watching a fight, so. Yeah, no, I agree. I enjoy watching him. I think he's, I think he's a fun fighter to watch in general. Yes. Phil Davis, uh, Phil Davis is 
amazing. He's if, if you don't know his wrestling, you you need to know his wrestling. Um, it was it was a good fight for him. Did you guys see the uh, the the announcement of the decision? Did you see him uh, pouring monster all over his face? No, God, that would be so sticky. <laughs> <laughs> He's in there just like pouring a whole drink, just like like Stone Cold Steve Austin back in the day. Yeah. Why they're they're announcing the win? Right, I know he. I know he called for a trilogy fight with uh, Bader, so I'd be down with that. I watch it. <laughs> it's so funny because they talk about guys in the Bellator who are lighting it up. Were like, for lack of a better term, they were B squad players in the UFC, <laughs> and like they're tearing it up. I'm going to be honest. I mean, we talk about Bader, uh, Davis, uh, Rory McDonald. Um, Shell right. and Tito, all those like Rampage is still fighting. It's like you guys were all top level at one time, but you were kind of like mid top level for like the UFC, and now you're at the Bellator and you're dominating the Bellator. I was like, so it's it's kind of crazy to see, but I'm definitely excited seeing those guys in there and getting success. Speaking well, here, here's the one thing, and, and we're we're about to, we're about to talk about the next fight going through this is. <laughs> Is Ben Benson Henderson, and and here's the thing, like yeah, Benson lost to to Anthony Pettis in UFC 164. They then he won a couple, and then he lost to RD, RD, RDA in Donald, and then he had a couple more wins in his final uh, UFC. Like he he split decision George Mazaval, and he beat uh, he rear naked choked uh, Brandon Thatch, um before going to. Bellator and now he's going to Bellator and it's just like it's not the it's not Ben Henderson it's I don't know what to say it's the B-rated Ben Henderson and he's not really like dominating fights like he did in the UFC even before even as he as as his contract ended with the UFC he was still dominating people yeah but I think with with Benson Henderson especially because he's the next fight up um I think the thing with Benson Henderson is that everybody caught up to like what his style was. Like he was known for boxing. He was really good at his Brazilian jiu-jitsu. We've seen that even with toothpick gate. Um, mm. I just, <laughs> yeah, you remember. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's what he needs to do is put a toothpick back in his mouth. Maybe. It's just, I think what it is for him though, is that other fighters were catching up to his level. And his his stamina wasn't as on par where like most of these other fighters were, and they were able to catch him in certain positions because he would get tired. And I think that's always been one thing about Benson Henderson is that he he so he fights like Connor fights, right? He fights at a pace that his body can't hold up forever. And and usually the second round, right. like just like in this fight, usually the second round he just gas is hardcore, right? And so, even in this fight, right? So, Benson Henderson uh, defeated Adam uh, Piccolotti uh, via split decision, 29-28, 28-29, 29-28. And in that second round, like, he was gassed. And he was just trying to, like, make it through the fight. Make it through that round. Because he knew in the third round he'd get a second wind. And I think that's, like, his big thing is just that, you know, if you can stay on top of Benson Henderson, you're going to beat him. You know, and he'll he'll fight tough that first round, and in the second round, he's just going to slow down, and that's where a lot of fighters get him. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it's uh, it's rough to see Benson Henderson 
in Bellator performing like he is now. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Again, top UFC stars, more or less B-rated players, are now top level in Strike Force. Sucks for me to say, or Strike Force for Bellator. Sucks for me to say that, but it is what it is. Uh, next fight up. Julie and I, we were talking about this fight right before we started recording. We're going to get into this. Uh, Elima Lay yes. McFarlane defeats Veta Ortega oh. via TKO by Dr. Stoppage due to a cut. Um, a minute 50 of the third round. God. That wasn't a cut. She opened a Bleh. mouth on her forehead. Jesus. Get fucking serious. Go Oh, my God. Yes, you could. Yes, you could. Mind you, I was at Walmart mm-hmm. today. I was at Walmart grocery shopping, um, and I had Kara with me. And I showed her. So I was talking about the cut, right? I was talking about the elbow strike. Because we're, whenever we like order like deli meat, we like mess around. And I pretended to do an elbow to her head. And I was like, oh, that reminds me of this nasty cut I saw last night. And she's like, can I see? And I showed her, she's like, oh my God, what happened? And I was like, whoo. I was like, I was like, you know, it was crazy because it came from the top position. You know, McFarlane was definitely landing some serious bombs. But as soon as Ortega went to, like, grab her, McFarlane just pinned her arm down, dropped an elbow right on the top of her face. And as Julie has said, and I 100% agree with, another mouth formed on top of her face. Yep. <laughs> and that's just what happened. It's not like, a cut. She opened up another mouth. <laughs> it was literally, like, instant, too. As soon as she hit, oh, yeah. two seconds later, his blood gushing everywhere. Oh, yeah. Like, the moment you saw, the moment the elbow connected, it was as if someone hit the switch and was like, all right, let's do that crazy special effects that you see in fucking horror movies. Everywhere. It was gross. I loved it. You know, like I, I mean, like straight up. If you, if someone's gonna get clocked like that, like it, it better be a good one. And it was a fucking good one. And when I was watching the fight too, right at first, because I had missed the elbow strike, and I just saw like, I saw Ortega's head like lean back and come forward. But when I, I guess when I looked away from the screen and looked back, I thought maybe she had hit uh, McFarlane in the face because she was. Let's be honest, Ortega was dominating this fight. She was giving. She's giving McFarlane that work, and McFarlane like just happened to get the takedown. She happened to get on top, and she was she was pushing the tempo from that part. But I would have scored this fight. I probably would have scored this fight. Maybe one one two zero for Ortega going into this third round up until that elbow strike, and even McFarlane acknowledged that she was like she was like yeah she was beating my ass. She was getting in at me. Um, but. When I saw when I saw the strike initially, I saw her face turn red. I thought she had broken McFarlane's nose, and McFarlane's nose was leaking on her because of the way the position looked. It wasn't until they stood up and I looked at her face, I was like, "That is the nastiest gash I've ever seen on any fighter in history." I was like, "Good God, I need to stop this immediately." Yeah. It was nasty. It was freaking awesome. I just kept seeing it described as horrific cut, insane looking cut, and I'm like, you ain't wrong. You ain't fucking wrong. I kind of want to use that. I want to use this. I think I might use that as the thumbnail for this. this. (laughs) (laughs) The cut was vicious. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so we're going to move up. This is the next one. This is kind of a controversial fight, so let's get into this. Rory McDonald goes majority draw with uh, John Fitch. 46-48, 47-47. 47-47. Um, kind of a boring fight. 
list. Let's talk about boring fights. But uh, great chess matchups, right? Because we know John Fitch yeah. is going to wrestle you to the ground. We know that's what he wants to do. He's done it his whole career. He got cut by the UFC because of his quote-unquote boring style uh, from Dana White. But John was winning matches that way. Um, so I definitely like – I definitely appreciate John's wrestling because his, his, his gr- uh, grind game is second to none. But Rory McDonald, man, like he struggled in the UFC. Um, he had some success. Let's be—I'll be honest. Uh, but he was struggling really to like improve all around. And again, we go back to the same same type of fight, right? Here he is, and he's still struggling in the same aspect. And he's he's battling, but his takedown defense is just not on point anymore. It it won't be at this point in his career. I agree with you, right? It was just it was just tough to watch. I'm gonna be honest, man. It was just I, at the end of the day, I was just like, I'm glad this fight is over with because as much as I can like John Fitch, I mean, every time I I feel and it's it's fucked up to say this, every time I watch John Fitch fight, he draws. Like he drew against uh, BJ Penn, and then he drew against Roy McDonald. Like that's not fair to say. I know, but it's just that's what it is. What it is at that point, like. John Fitch, he does enough to make you believe that he was going to win the fight. But at that point, like, you know, the scorecard said it, 47-47 was, was what it took. So, right. Um, all right. So, not only was Bellator 220 on last night, but UFC Fight Night 150 was on as well. Um, and they're roughly in the same time slot. So, fortunately for me, I didn't have to pick and choose. I got to watch one on my tablet, one on the big screen which is really nice. Um, so shout out to ESPN Plus for that because that was massive. Um, we're going to start this off right at the bottom of the card. Uh, Roosevelt Roberts versus uh, right. Thomas Gifford. Right. So this was the opening, opening fight for this card. It did go all three rounds. Uh, scorecard for that had it uh, 30-27, 30-27, 30-27, all for the winner of Roosevelt Roberts. Uh, and our big significant moves here, right, Uh so total strikes, Roosevelt, he was 95 of 132. Significant strikes, he was 53 of 85. He scored two takedowns, um, two out of four. Uh, Thomas was 86 of 130, 30 of 70 for significant strikes, one for one of his takedowns. This was a good fight all around. I definitely yeah. felt like Roosevelt earned all three rounds in the same aspect of how the judges agreed. Um, I may have given a round yeah. over to Thomas. Especially in that second round, he I was, agree with that one. Yeah, I felt like I he feel like, it. yeah, I feel like Roosevelt did enough to edge it out to take it, um, but it was a very well evenly matched match. Yeah. If that makes sense, it wasn't just like totally one sided. Nope, I definitely. Yeah, Rose, I Roosevelt is it seems like Roosevelt is a one punch striker where uh, the other guy that uh, um, Gifford like. And I watched the first round and I and partial third. Um, like he he would throw like four or five in a in a row, and then uh, Roosevelt would throw one and connect. And it just seemed like when he found his when he found the momentum, there was no stopping uh, Roosevelt from connecting when he wanted to. Yep. Yep, I agree. Um, Thomas definitely he he can throw punches and bunches. Like I definitely like watching that. Um, I'm, I'm a huge, I think that's what it is for me. I'm a huge fan of those guys who maybe they don't have the, the one punch power to like KO a guy, 
but they throw enough blunt force trauma that eventually the body or even the head has to go down because they're just like, you know, I think about like Nick Diaz and Nate Diaz when they fight, they don't throw like one or two uh, combos. They're throwing like five or six in a row. And I could totally appreciate that more than I can a guy like Todd Duffy who, you know, lands a one hitter quitter or one big bomb and can put people down. So I th- I do like the blunt force trauma more than I'm watching UFC. The more like it's crazy how much my taste has changed from like 2007 UFC Cliff that was just all about the big flashy knockouts to like and I do love big knockouts. I'm not gonna lie, but I just have more of an appreciation for those you know five six seven hit combos that come out now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You same. We were, we were all about the. Uh... The 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 Wadale Silva the and he's the axe murderer um and then like uh, Diego Sanchez also is one so now I'm I'm a fan of people that put in work like yep. you're gonna work the body you're gonna work the head you're gonna put this combo together you're gonna put that combo together and so I'm just I'm a big fan of people like putting in work now I I'm not a fan of fights that that you throw fifty two fight uh uh fifty three two in three rounds. I, like these guys right here put in work uh 132 to 130 uh strikes thrown. Like that's that's significant in three rounds. Yep. Yeah, I agree. It's it's funny too cuz like we were talking about fighters who like one hitter quitters, right? So like, you know, Chuck, we were we we're huge fans of Chuck Liddell. We're still fans of Chuck Liddell, right? Even though he just fought on the Golden Boy Promotions. Um we're still big fans of his. We're still big fans of those huge one hitter quitters. It's just, it's just like it's like watching artists go to work when they when they land like multiple shots, right? Like I think that's what it is. Other than the fact that Max Holloway is from Hawaii, uh, when he throws punches, he's not throwing one jab. He's usually a jab, jab, cross with a hook to the body. Like he's looking for those four or five hit combos. And I think. It's just something to watch. It's just something to watch. It's a, it's an artistic painting of a bloodbath. I think that's what I like about it. That's why I appreciate it so much more. Yeah, definitely. All right, now I'll just get off of, you know, Max's jock. We're going to move up one. So we're going to talk about John Lineker versus uh, Corey Sanhagen, right? So this was a decision fight. Uh, Lineker, uh, 106 of 256. Uh, for total strikes and significant strikes, he was one for two in the takedowns. Total strikes for uh, Sandhagen, 128 of 283 for his total strikes. Significant strikes was uh, 120 of 275, and he was two for four in his takedowns. They also scored this fight uh, by split decision, actually, not just decision. 28 uh, 29, 29 28, 29 28, as I said, all for Sandhagen. Uh, this was a great fight, and this is exactly the kind of fights that we're, we're talking about where we're looking for multiple punches, multiple drops. We're not looking for. Guys right. who are just trying to land one hitter quitters. How'd you guys feel about the fight? Sorry, I got some serious feedback in my mic right then. <laughs> no, it's fine. Okay, so let's let's start that again. <laughs> so, how'd you guys feel about that fight? Uh, yeah, no, I if this makes sense, I was a little surprised <clears throat> that Lineker didn't do. As I mean, he did good, but I I thought he was just I thought he was going to take it for some reason. I was going into that fight like 
if we would have done a prediction thing, but with Easter, uh, I would have said Lineker. I don't know why I had that feeling, but I don't know. It was a good fight. Um, I was, I was surprised that when you look at like their their strikes, and it was especially you saw it in the in the, the the match itself, that they were swinging, but they weren't landing as many as they were swinging for. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I was like, what, 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 what you doing? What you doing there? So, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. <clears throat> the takedown thing was interesting too. I thought it was funny that they were matched. Uh, I matched on be- like being able to stuff takedowns halfies. So, right. no, no, you're right. It was a great, great all around fight for both fighters. Yeah. Like there was, even though there was a loser in this fight, I didn't really feel like there was a loser. I felt like both guys really showed up and showed what they can do. And it just shows that they're how much promise they have to them. It was a really good uh, flyweight or a bantamweight. Sorry, they, they fought a bantamweight yep. um, match because, again, where we, where we talked about last fight, we love to see these guys throw it. I mean, 256 punch, uh, strikes thrown for 283 is significant in three rounds. And it's just like... Oh my God! These guys just want to put on a show and show them what they got, and that's what we love about this. I mean, I I was pulling for Lineker because I like John Lineker, but uh, Corey Sanhagen. There's nothing you can't take away from anything. The dude's got great. right. Yeah, no doubt. So we're gonna move up, right? So light heavyweight, we had uh, Glover Teixeira versus Ian uh, Kotebala. Uh, so interesting fight. I really like this. Uh, Glover won this by submission in the second round. Um, and I think it was via rear naked choke, if I can recall right. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Yeah, rear naked choke. So, in this fight, though, takedown-wise, uh, 0 for 7 from Glover. Uh, 0 for 0 for uh, Ion. Uh, although, Glover was 35 of 63. Uh, total strikes, 30 for 57 in significant strikes. Uh, Ion was 74 of 135 for both total strikes and significant strikes. Now... Uh, it was a nasty punch that was landed. It dropped Ion, um, and then Glover was able to get on top, um, and just drop heavy bombs. Eventually, uh, Ion just gave up his back and got caught in the rear naked. He did his best to fight. Um, he was definitely pulling, looking for stuff to move. Eventually, he just had to give in, and then ultimately got to tap. So, it was definitely a great match, uh, by Glover, so I have to give a big shout-out to him. And, you know... It's good to see that he's on the trail of coming back. Because I know, like, even after the fight, like, him and Ion, like, had some words. It looked like words of encouragement from Glover uh, to say, like, hey, you know, you did a great job. You know, this is what happened. Right. You know, hope you have continued success. But, uh, yeah, it's great to see that he got back in the win column finally. Right. Right. No, I agree. I was getting is a little it, concerned. Is this, two, is this two in a row for Glover that, uh, yeah. that he's done? I uh, submission. Yeah, I see. I think that's one hundred percent correct. Um, yep, arm triangle choke first time, and then a rear naked choke since the loss to uh, Corey Anderson. Get your wheelhouse. But it's good to see. <clears throat> I think I think they had him rated at eleven in the light heavyweight yeah. division, so he's definitely gonna have to move up a little bit in that weight class, like as far as ranking wise goes. Good. So let's go up. We're going to talk Mike Perry versus Alex the Cowboy Oliveira. Um, so Platinum Mike uh, won this fight decision. Unanimous 29-28, 29-28, 29-28. Uh, big, 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 big. 
uh, strikes right here. Uh, so Alex was 50 of 139, 48 of 137 for significant strikes, 0 for 1 in his takedowns. Platinum was 75 of 120, 65 of 110 in significant strikes, and then 0 for 1 in his takedown. I think the thing I appreciate in this fight is we talk about putting in work. These guys were all like they were they were looking to put in heavy heavy work, but it was the fact that Mike was landing a lot of shots right. But I felt like Alex was just kind of laughing at him the whole time. Because I think every time I saw him in the cage getting punches, Alex was just smiling. Like, he's like, Mike's not going to put me down. I'm okay with this. And he just kept right. taking shot after shot after shot. I don't know how you guys felt about it. Uh, I definitely felt like, uh, I think it was like first round, Platinum came out. He got his nose broken. Uh, but the second third rounds, I thought Platinum definitely came out and did enough to win those rounds. But... Yeah, uh, he just—I don't know, man. It was something about Alex winning the first round, and then like he kept smiling after the second and third rounds. Like, I think he got hurt in the second round, but he was like fighting through it, and then like he was just like, oh, "I'm not gonna go down," and he just—he didn't. I, let's right. let's let's really be honest here. Let, let let's talk about this fight. Break it down. Break down what we really saw. What we really saw was who has better technique, who has better talent. And it was Alex. It was, it, it was Alex. It was Cowboy, and Mike Perry's just so, so so strong and tough, and hit the grit on him. And it was just like, are you are you kidding me, dude? Like Alex was like like throwing these combos on him, getting out, smiling, bouncing up and down, and Mike is just moving forward, just taking taking these hits. And when he got him on the ground, it was it was Mike's time, and it was it was like, dude, Alex Olivia. I, I I really thought he was just gonna dominate this fight from from beginning to end, just how he looked in the first round, and then uh, and then I'm so glad that that Mike was able to pull out the win because it was like he was there to have fun. He wasn't there to really fight. He was there to have fun because he was like showing him that he was a superior fighter. He he's, he has better talent, better striking, and then finally he he ate his words, and Mike Perry got the win. Yep, right. So we're going to jump up. We're going to jump into this main or uh, this co-main event. I'm sorry. The co-main event of the night, right? Greg Hardy <clears> versus <throat> Dmitry uh is it Smolakov? Smolak Smolikov? I don't know. Smolakov. I'm not I even get I don't want to like ever change like correct you on the names. I love the butchering that happens at times, dude. So you're never <laughs> going to get me to correct you. <laughs> I, I just want to hear how the fuck you're going to say it. <laughs> Smolakov. So uh, so this was a, a a big test for Greg Hardy. Obviously, we saw his last fight um, through the illegal knee um, and got DQ'd. So he has he has the one on his uh, his loss record. However, in this fight, uh, Greg Hardy won <clears throat> in the first round, uh, two fifteen into the first round, uh, seventeen of thirty three for fifty one point five percent, fourteen of thirty. Uh, significant strikes, no takedown attempts. Uh, but Dimitri was one for three in total strikes. <laughs> one for three right. in significant strikes and 0 for two in takedowns. So the one thing I could definitely say is that we, obviously, Greg Hardy is a former football player, um, controversial one at that. We know like his track history. Uh, but if there's something to be said is that he was able to shut down takedowns um, on both occasions in both fights. Uh, and maybe that's a test 
like his hip placement because of playing football for so long. He just understands like how to like load bear his hips down so that no one can really move him. Um, but yeah, so uh, Dimitri kept trying to go for a takedown to take the fight to the ground. Obviously, I'm taking the fight to the ground, especially with someone like Greg Hardy when they just have nasty hands. Um, but Dimitri ended up tasting those nasty hands instead uh, and got brutalized from the top. How do you guys feel about this fight? They they weren't even great takedown attempts. They're like running. Let me try to take you down because if I don't get to take you down, I'm getting away from you getting punched. It was. Uh, let's be honest here. None of us like Greg Hardy. None of us like Greg Hardy. Unfortunately, from from his past exp- past experiences with off off the field stuff going on in the NFL to even the illegal knee that that he threw last his last fight. None of us really like Greg Hardy. Let's just be honest there. Um, but you can't put us put a guy in here that that's nine and two, and and expect him to to go against a, a superior athlete. Greg Hardy was a superior athlete in the NFL as well. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. He um, I I don't have to like Greg Hardy the person, but I could definitely respect Greg Hardy the Prince of War. Uh, fighter, because I think that's definitely what is is earned, right? Like he's obviously he got banished, blacklisted from the NFL because of uh, domestic violence. But seeing what he's been able to do in the UFC currently, it's I mean you have to give respect to somebody because it takes first it takes a lot of like guts to just get into the ring and just say hey. I'm willing to let another person punch me in the face. Uh, so, right. you know, I have to give I have to give respect to Greg Hardy for wanting to try a new sport. He's never been right. in that sport before. And now he's, you know, look, and I'm not saying he has success, not by any means. But he obviously found something that means a lot more to him than what the NFL did. And it, it's... I don't want to say it's crazy like that, but it is crazy to see that happen because he even said it in the he said it in this post fight that he just found something that he has a lot more respect for, and I think he right. understands that he could lose a lot <clears throat> if he f- keeps if he kept fucking up like he did in the NFL. He's gonna lose a lot more than just oh I I'm fighting in the U or I'm fighting a playing in the NFL. Then I'm playing in the NFL right now. He'll lose a lot because in the UFC they're not gonna fuck around with that. Like, if you yeah, NFL lets a lot of shit happen. They let way too much stuff go down that they're just kind of look the other way. Dana doesn't play right. And when I think about that, I think about people like like War Machine, right? Like, here's a dude who was like a really great—I want to say really great—a really good fighter in in Strike Force and in Bellator, and then he beats the shit out of his girlfriend. And now where is he? He's in prison. You know what I mean? And so now. Greg Hardy has to have respect for the sport because he's now considered a lethal weapon. If he fucks up and does something like he did in the NFL, he's going away for a long fucking time. Right. This is how I look at it with Greg. I I respect what he does. I will never respect him as a person. I will right. put it that way. I will respect him as a person. I look at it this way. If 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 the, the decisions you make in your life lead you to like, hey, punching punching somebody in the face unprovoked is the answer. I don't respect you. I will respect him when I feel like I personally feel like he's, he's at a level of 
rehab. That's just my own thing. I feel that as a, as a former abuse victim and just as a woman, that's my thing. But I respect the fact that he's putting his shit somewhere else. Yeah, maybe this is what post NFL fallout has led him to get the anger out this way or whatever put put stuff into a constructive thing maybe that's it you know i'm not ab- i'm not like i said before i'm not above having letting somebody rehab you know what i mean that's not what i'm about people can people can learn people can grow people can change um yeah. Well, I mean, I still need time with his ass. That's how I look at yeah. it. But he did great. That's how I look at it. I'm, I, I'm not denying his God-given ability. You know what I mean? Just because someone's a shitbag, you can't fucking deny that they're a good person, that they're good whatever that they do. You know right. what I mean? There's been a lot of actors out there that are fucking shitbags, but they're great actors. Right. Or there's been, you know what I mean? There's, there's whether, whether it comes from political leaders to religious leaders to actors to fucking the dude that's at the library. There's a lot of people that can be really good at their job, but they're shit fucking people. So it's one of those weird things of like both sides ism on him. Right. You know? And just like Anthony said, right? Like we, we don't have to like Greg Hardy the person, but we can definitely respect yeah. Greg Hardy the fighter. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why I said you can't, you I, you would be lying if you said, oh, they can't do what they do. You know what I mean? Right. No, obviously he has the talent. He he got somebody out, what, 215 in round one? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's obviously you have the talent to do it. If what I'd am- be like, oh, he can't, he can't fight. I'm just fucking being a lying sack of shit, and I'm just being a pain in the ass at that point. But I'm not going to lie. You know what I mean? I'm not going to lie. I, I personally would love to see, like, Greg, I wish, and I know it's going to sound fucked up, and a lot of our listeners are going to be like, yo, that's trash to say, Cliff. I wish Greg Hardy's first fight in the UFC would have been against Mark Hunt or Stipe. Just putting it out there. Because obviously... It, it's it's not even... How to explain it? Like, like I don't... I, and, and I really hate to say it like this, and I don't respect him. I... I can't let my personal opinion on him change my professional opinion on him with him and Ian MA. He's a piece of shit. End of story. You put your hands on a woman, you're a piece of shit. End of story. I don't, but people that do that should not be able to do what he, he's getting paid now to go from the NFL to go to MMA because, because he beat the shit out of his girlfriend. I mean, you should, you, should, you should be working at Burger King now. No, I agree with that one. I, 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 I don't like justify you, what you say. Trust me, we're not justifying like, oh yeah, Greg Hardy, way to way to revive your whole entire person, and we 100% give you. Because the thing is, is that Greg Hardy is still like trying to make money, right? It's just now he's just using his talent in a different form. Granted. You're 100% correct. He's a piece of shit person, okay, for beating the shit out of his girlfriend and doing the things that he did. But instead of sitting here and going, well, fuck it, and to be honest, I wouldn't have hired him at fucking Burger King. Let's just be real. But the man, he, you know, left his hometown, went to a gym, started working on his anger issues in the gym, 
really got a lot of his frustration out. He sleeps at the gym. He works out at the gym. Like, he he's finding different ways to channel his anger. Now, by all means, does this make him, like, the savior of the masses? No, not by any means. But it definitely has to be said that if if Mike Vick, right, did the things that he did to his dogs, and he, and I, I don't like Michael Vick, the person, I don't. But I definitely can appreciate where Mike Vick, the athlete is, right? So when Mike Vick came back, I was like, all right, cool. You know, Ray Rice, if Ray Rice was to enter into another field, right, and make money based on the field, I don't have a problem with that. It's just like, is he is Ray Rice still a piece of shit? Of course he is. Because he fucking cold clocked his girlfriend in an elevator, right? And then dragged her out. I think I think Greg Hardy trying to find another avenue of one supporting himself and two, like finding a new way to work his frustrations. By all means, wherever you got to go, you got to go. Do what you right. got to do. I, well, that's I, why I had said I had said I am not above somebody rehabbing themselves. And here's the other thing: we have to. Someone was in the NFL, which means they're going to be given opportunities to figure out where to vent their frustration than we are. I'm just saying that, like, mm-hmm. if if. You have shit going on and you need to figure out how to do an opportunity. Someone's not going to come up to you and be like, yo, uh, I have the opportunity to, to get you possibly in the UFC. That's not going to come as easily as it is to Joe Schmo as it is to somebody like him who's been around bigger names. If this is a part of the bigger rehabilitation of Greg Hardy, I can't as a person who honestly believes in the wonders of rehabilitation for different things, I can't be like, fuck that. If it works, if this is working for him, you know what I mean? So that's why I'm like, I still think he's a shit person and I don't like him. I don't like him as a person. If he were to ever be like around, no, don't come to my house, you know, that kind of shit. But I can still appreciate if this is what he's able to channel whatever the fuck was going on in his head before into something more productive because the, I'm sorry, the NFL is not fucking productive when it comes to this shit. No, they suck. They don't, they, they fucking suck. Dana at least gives people stuff to do. There's the, there's coaches, there's teams like, yeah, there's teams in the NFL, but they're not family. They're not family in the same way. I'm not, not trying to knock it, but a dojo is different than an NFL team or even an NHL or NBA different. They're, they're different things because you're fighting. So that's why I will, I, I will at least be enough of a human to say, I will see what this is doing for him as Greg Hardy, the person. Now this comes with a big fat fucking asterisk. If there is a whiff of him being a shit bag outside Fuck him two ways from Sunday. Dana needs to fucking kick him the fuck out. He should be fucking banned and thrown into the sun after that point. Yeah. That's how I look at it. Like, I will I will at least be like, mm, all right, if this is a part of the rehabilitation, I might not like you, but I'm not going to ad- not allow someone the chance to be a different person. But if you are not a different person, take that catapult. Take get them, Just catapult them in the sun at that point. Just put them out! Bye-bye, bitch. You done didn't learn a lesson. Oh <laughs> let's, let's, just, let's, just let's just put it this way. He is a big striker. He, uh-huh. he, he's a heavy striker. I'm not about to put my address on this podcast this time because he might he, he, he might be dumb enough to come kick my ass. <laughs> well, right. here's, here's a bigger thing, too, we got to remember, right? 
he has said, and he said in interviews, he said in other places too, right? And this has only been recent. I don't want to say his past, right? But recently, he said that, you know, being in the gym and working in, and working with other fighters and stuff, it's definitely helped get, like, a whole new level of appreciation, respect. Right. And, and learning how to do better in, like, life. So it's given him more structure. And I think that's something that it's one thing that a lot of NFL players just miss out on, but it's I'm I'm appreciative I'm appreciative of that he's understanding how to rehabilitate himself. Like Julie and I have talked about, we're not above someone rehabilitating themselves, even if they're having issues. So it was good for him that he's able to go into another field and understand like how to to work it, you know. And I and that's where it comes from. Now the moment that he gets in trouble outside of the UFC. For whatever, fuck them. Oh yeah, fuck them. So fuck that's where him. that kind of goes. Yeah, no, fuck him. And I, and I agree with you guys. I I really do. I I agree. Like if you're gonna make, if you're able to make yourself better, yeah, that's. Better, look, we have it in the NFL. Look at look at the piece of shits that get pop for weed. You're 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 smoking weed, and and, and Joe Rogan plays this. Uh, it plays a big part of. Of the medicinal rehab, medicinal painkiller, but in the NFL, you can't do that. You cannot smoke weed and, and be okay with it. Idiots like Josh Gordon and fucking dipshit Randy Gregory, um, who who's a Nebraska boy. I I I, I love Josh Gre- I, I I love Josh Gregory from being a Nebraska playing at, uh, in Lincoln, being a Husker. But you're if you're gonna breaking the rules even though you know you're probably going to get caught because you've been pot you're done fuck you i will I, so i will agree with you guys with greg hardy i will say that if this is helping you cool. well i mean like flat out look at the nfl when it to how many how many cases as of late i mean just in the last couple years alone I mean, and we, and I'm, I'm not even going to go into too many of them because we could. This would be an entirely different podcast, and we would go longer than this rant's already going right now. There are a lot of cases in the NFL recently that are not just like, oh, someone's a pothead, or oh, someone got drunk and ran a zap set. No, we got, we got wife beaters. We've got, we got the one case out. Uh, what's his nuts? That's getting popped for him and his girl. They dropped the case about child abuse. And now they've rebrought it back up. I mean, there's a lot of shit. And what ended, what ended up happening? What does the NFL do half the time when it comes to the shit? You the, the, the teams themselves will take more responsibility than the league. So, and you bring, and up- that's a problem. All right. So I'm, I'm going to say this and then we're going to talk about this yeah. last fight and then maybe we'll come back to the subject. All right. So the people that you're looking for, right? I would rather, and at this point in time, it sounds fucking crazy to say this. I would rather have a Randy Gregory or a Josh Gordon on my team than a Kareem Hunt or a Tyreek yep. Hill or yep. a Ray Rice. I agree, sorry, thousand percent. Like if you, I'd you decide you that you want to go out and smoky. fuck up your kid, or you want to fuck up your girlfriend or your wife, by all means, what you do, what you do in your spare time, if you want to fuck up those people in your life. You don't deserve to be in the league any fucking more. But if you're going to be a pothead, you're only really hurting yourself. And I get yeah. it. It's illegal. I get it's illegal in the NFL. I get that. But, I mean, what we're seeing six-game suspension, like, and I'm going to say this, and this this really has to be the end of it. You're getting a six-game suspension for fucking smoking weed, but you're getting a two-game suspension for beating your wife. 
What the uh, fuck is wrong with the NFL? Facts. With that? Hashtag I mean, facts. Agree. And it, it is, and that's, and you know what? And and, and I'm gonna make a joke out of this, but right now, it sucks to be a Kansas City Chiefs fan. No facts. <laughs> good one. Oh, go that was good. Item. That was good. Yeah. After that, let's go to the next fight. All right. Good. So enough with the rant. We're gonna maybe we'll come back. We'll touch down. You know what? We'll touch on this subject again uh, in another podcast. Uh, but our last, our main event for the fight. Uh, fight night last night. Uh, Ronaldo Souza versus Jack Hermanson. Uh, Hermanson uh, did win this fight by decision, and it was uh, 49-46, 48-47, 48-47. Uh, Strike-wise, uh, a 256 of 496 for Jack, 149, uh, 372 for his significant strikes, 3 of 10 for his takedowns. Um, Ronaldo has 120 for 205 in total strikes. 90 of 175 for significant strikes and an over three for strike uh, takedowns. Uh, big thing is, is Sousa gassed out. Let's just be honest. Those last three rounds, he was fucking toast. And even when the fight ended, uh, Jack was on top. He was looking to land some heavy bombs. And Sousa's arms were just laying out. Like, he was just like, fuck it. Take me now, Lord, if that's what it needs to be done. And it was right. it was massive. It was a it was a big loss uh, for Sousa for this uh, this fight. So... Big shout-outs to Jack for the big win. Um, Souza, hopefully, you know, we can see you get back on the ball. And, you know, I know I know he just came off his big win from Chris Weidman, but he also did lose to Kelvin Gaslam. So he's, you know, two for three in losses. And it's, or it's two losses in his last three fights. So hopefully we can start seeing him get on a little win streak. But, hey, big shout-outs to Jack, man. He he did what he wanted to do, came out, set the tempo, and now he's still riding, you know, a, he's now riding a four-fight win streak. So, Maybe we can keep seeing him push forward. Right. It's a, it's different to see Salazar the way he was last night. He got taken down in the first round, and they're there sitting there like, okay, well, then he did it again. He got taken down in the second round. And even the announcer is like, well, what, what he might be doing is waiting for his time. Look at Anderson Silva. He got, he got dominated for four and a half rounds, waiting for his, the perfect moment. Got against against uh, and got to get a triangle choke against the the American American gangster and uh, and that's what they were thinking here. But it was just it was so hard to 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 watch uh, Salza not throwing as many strikes as he normally. Right, right. Yeah, it is, man. Like I said, I think he just gassed out in that last round, and like that was that was it, man. He just it wasn't gonna happen for him, and um, it is what it is at that point. So. You know, like I said, I hope we get to see him bounce back and move on. Um, so that covers those three fights. Something I wanted to kind of pop on you guys at the kind of like last minute, but then we got in this huge fucking rant about goddamn the NFL and MMA differences and domestic abuse and drugs. All right. Uh, so back April 6th, right, just a few weeks ago, we didn't get a chance to actually talk about this, so it's something I wanted to bring up now. Uh, we had uh, Artem Lebov and Jason Knight make their debuts and bare knuckle fighting. I don't know if you guys happen to see this fight. Oh my god, dog, yes. <laughs> but I wanted to talk <sighs> about one of the craziest bloodbaths that could have happened. Now, shout out to Artem, because I know like the reason I bring up Artem, right, is obviously for the huge controversy last year in New York when uh with him and Khabib. Um, but he got cut from the UFC, he got released from his contract, um, and then he's you know, he's still gotta make money, so he decided to go into bare knuckle fighting. Uh 
This was like one of the craziest fights I have ever seen. Uh, scorecard had it 48 47, 47 47, and 48 46. Uh, these guys, like, if you guys have not seen bare knuckle boxing yet, please just log on to YouTube, type it in. You're gonna see one of the craziest fucking fights in yeah, a long it's... time. Fuck. And the roster, too, is crazy, too, because not only do you have Artem above there, uh, Beck Rollins is there, who was a former UFC yeah! fighter. Yeah! Like, there's, like, and Chris Lieben's there, who's obviously, a, he's going to be a UFC Hall of Famer. There's so many fighters that are in these fights um, that you would know, and then there's new fighters that you can get to know. Uh, but big ups, man. Like, I don't know how you guys, if did you guys get to check out this fight at all? Yeah, I did. Oh, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> but I'm a big fan. I, this, this, this is the Mick in me. I've been a big fan of bare knuckle boxing, and it's how you can tell there's been some fucking gypsies in my family, apparently. Um, so I've I've always been uh, partial to bare knuckle in general. But uh, I love the two uh, fucking watermelons that he had after. Do you see the pictures of his hands? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I was like... <laughs> Oh, you have fun with that. Have fun trying to wipe your ass there. <laughs> and you know what's what's interesting, right, is that Artem won this fight and instantly called out his next fighter who accepted the fight, which is even crazier. Right. So for those who don't it's a, know. It's a different world. That, I mean, when you so... start getting in the bare knuckle boxing world, it's a, they're different beasts, if but... that makes sense. For those who don't like, know, there's no, there's called. not as many games. There's not as many games as like you get when you start doing these things. It's like, oh, you want, you want to do this one? Fuck, fight, let's fight. That makes sense. You don't get as much of the bullshit. So for those who don't know who got called out, um, Artem, Artem called out Polly uh, Maljolini, yeah. See, this is why I fuck up all these names. Um, so and Pauly, I love, the, I let you do that. <laughs> it's so messed up. Anyway, so Polly. Uh, was one of those guys who trained with Conor McGregor for the Floyd Mayweather fight. What makes this fight interesting is that Artem is actually a teammate of Conor. So for Artem to call out Polly and to get this fight lined up for, I think it's Bare Knuckle, fight, bare knuckle Boxing uh, 6. Uh, so it's coming up soon. Uh, but this fight apparently has been agreed on and they're going to tee off. When? I'm not sure. We'll probably see it later this year, maybe like the November time frame. But Artem has literally gone off the walls and said that he is not worried about fat guy off the couch, Polly. So, no, I it's going to be a event. I already got the date, dog. It's going to be June 22nd in New Hampshire. There we go. June 22nd in New Hampshire. We're yeah. going to see probably one of the craziest bloodbaths happen. You got to remember, too, like for those of you who can't clock who Polly is, Polly is the guy that the entire time. The shit with Connor was going on. Just fucking shit talking Connor. Just, oh, he's such a, he can't box. I don't know why. The, when the whole McGregor Mayweather shit was going on, Paul was the one that was talking every shit he could. And, uh, and I know everyone was getting defensive. So I, I, I actually kind of want to see this because I know <laughs> Artem gets like, I must defend my Connor on people. I cannot you know. wait. I cannot wait for this fight to happen, and I'm gonna do oh. everything I can to look for it, watch it, and just study it down. Mm-hmm. No, what about you, Anthony? That. How you feeling about that fight? I thought it was awesome. Um, 
it was a really good fight. Like you should see both. You should have seen both faces. Disgusting. Um, just sitting out there, I'm just like I'm right now. I'm just like going through uh, the list of bare knuckle bare knuckle boxers, and you got Joe Riggs, Becca Rollins. Um, this guy, not many people will know this name, but his name is Eric Prindle. He was a UFC fighter for Bellator. He is an American vet. Uh, he did go to he he was in the in the army or well, the Marines. One of those two. I don't remember. I mean, there's some names out here like that you're sitting out there that you're like, oh snap, oh snap. Yep. It's definitely like this fight coming up June 22nd. It's gonna be, it's it's gonna be amazing. I cannot wait to see this happen. And honestly, I want to see Polly get punched in the face. By Artem. I don't like Artem, but I really don't like Polly either. <laughs> Is this sad that I kind of actually like, I don't care. I kind of want it to be like a double knockout. Thank you. Like, <laughs> thank you for saying it. <laughs> like, I don't like either one of them. I think Artem is like kind of a punk sometimes, the way he acts outside of the octagon. And uh, Polly likes talk shit. So I'm like, I'd love to see them like just both swing for the fence at the last minute and then boop, boop, double knockout. They both go night, night. Everybody go to sleep. Everybody go, everybody go sleep. Everybody go night, night. Like, I would love to see that. All right. Well, with that being said, um, we're going to wrap this up for this show. Uh, let's start this off. Julie, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at, at a Chewbacca, and for those in the Metro Detroit area, next weekend I will be at PanglaCon. It's a convention out in Southfield. There's some random stuff, but if you want to come and say hi, bullshit with me, I'll be posting on about it. So come find me. And then uh, Anthony, why don't you let our listeners know um, where they can find you and you can give them your link and love? All right. So is I don't even know right now. It's just crazy beer. We moved in with my fiance, and we lived in the, the our two bedroom apartment for about five months. And we decided a three bedroom open. Let's go get it. So I've been moving stuff for the past two weeks. Um, she is seventeen weeks, three days along. So we're almost halfway there. So that's gonna be my link in love is my little family here, and on how much we've been going and going and going. Um, find me on Instagram at Anthony Luhan one. 985 uh snapchat or twitter if you want to add me a luhan1985 send me some shit let's send some crazy shit yeah send some crazy shit <laughs> so, you guys can find me on twitter snapchat instagram um playstation 4 uh and reddit actually uh cm underscore miller 85 i'm on there talk some trash to me bring you know say what you want it's cool i'm down for whatever uh other part too um you guys can find us um here on franken culture with frankensteiner uh we love to talk wwe wrestling you guys can also find um nerds of the round table on here as well we just did a special episode we brought on a special guest uh tiara marie she is a big big founder of um wasted morals so i definitely uh show off her showcase her skills she's an amazing artist uh but she's a huge comic book nerd as well so it definitely worked out for us uh we definitely uh want to make sure that we reach out to you guys tell you guys thank you for listening to us uh drop us uh like share subscribe also give us a comment 
uh, about you know what you guys thought of the podcast today. Um, and last but not least, what's that? Definitely, but what we need, um, the other thing I want to say is twenty-two veterans die every day from stuff that happens that they can't uh, they can't control anymore. That they can't reap with that they can't contain um so all of our listeners cliff julie and i are always open to talk we've all been through some shit we're all able to say that we'll we're there hit us up on twitter hit us up on snap hit us up on instagram facebook um if you want my phone number i'll give you my phone number uh do not be afraid to reach out to any of us as we've all been if you're in some shit we've been there we all yeah, know if this. you ever need resources on what to do, we can always point you in the right direction. Yep. That's a definite fact. Definitely. We can definitely do it for you. Um, so with that being said, I though, always guys, want to bring up. With that being said, guys, uh, why don't you go ahead and just tell them peace out. Bye, everybody. Me too. And as always, good fight and good night.